Amen. Thank you so much. Love the music this morning, the choices and all of that, and I have nothing to do with it, so you know, that's all Kenny and Aaron. I appreciate them very, very much, and thankful that God has brought them our way, and uh, uh, I just want to publicly say that they help me personally. Uh, Kenny helps me in many, many ways. Yes, around the church, but just, just personally, lifts my spirits from time to time, and, and I like to laugh and joke around, and, and he does too, so we have a we have fun, we do, but uh, I just want to say I appreciate the Scoggins very much. I really do, and I know you guys do as well. But let's take our Bibles this morning, and let's go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 this morning is where we will be, and for those that don't know, we've started a new series of study on Sunday mornings, and it's on the Apostle Peter, and, uh, and in this series, it's going to be on his life as well as on the letters that, that he wrote. But we're going to look at his life first for a few messages before we go to the letters that, that he wrote. And I believe doing it this way will help aid in our understanding of First and Second Peter when we get there, all right? But uh, last Sunday we began looking at his life and from his life we started from the beginning, at least from the beginning of his life and ministry with the Lord Jesus Christ, And it was there, as we saw in Matthew chapter uh, number 4, where Jesus called unto Peter to follow him. And Peter did just that. Peter followed the Lord. And I want to encourage you again, encourage you once again, keep following Jesus, all right? Keep following the Lord, whether your family does or not, you do. Whether your friends do or not, you do. Whether your coworkers do or not, you do. Follow Jesus. It's a personal choice to follow the Lord, follow Christ. If you trip up on your walk with Jesus, get up and keep following the Lord. If you mess up, well then why don't you fess up and confess your sin to God and get up and just follow the Lord. Keep following Jesus. Because again, as we sang about it this morning, His grace is sufficient his grace is enough. There's more grace in the Lord and there's sin in you. Keep following the Lord. But as we move forward in the life of Peter, there's a lesson that Jesus wanted him to learn and teach him early on in his life and ministry with, with Christ. And this is a lesson that Peter would uh, continue to learn until he would uh, take his last breath here on earth and go on to glory. But this lesson that he learned early and would continue to learn was this lesson. You ready? It's the lesson of the necessity of obedience. And that's the title of the message this morning, the necessity of obedience. And I want us all to know that this lesson is one that we must learn as well and will continue to learn until we take our final breath and go on to glory. But we must learn this lesson and learn it early. We must learn to obey. Why? Because understand something. The Lord Jesus Christ owns us. He owns us. He owns us through creation, meaning He made us. He owns us, he owns us through redemption, meaning He has saved us if you know Him as your Savior. And you don't belong to yourself. No, you belong to the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? If you are bought with a price, 
Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to Jesus. And understand, since he owns us and we belong to him, he has every right to our obedience. We must learn this. We must learn it early. We must learn it quickly. So while there's still time, learn to obey. And I believe that's the lesson, one of the first lessons that Jesus was trying to get across to Peter and early on in his life and ministry with, with the Lord. So let's look at it together. Luke chapter 5 this morning. And we'll be in verse number 1. And we'll go down through verse number 11. All right? The Bible says this. Luke chapter 5, verse number 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when he had done, when they, I'm sorry, verse number six, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. They beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship and they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John the sons of Zebedee which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when he had brought their ships to land, they forsook all. And followed him. Our Father, I pray as we look to your word this morning that you would captivate our attention and help us to focus in on this great lesson that we all must learn and continue to learn of obedience to our Heavenly Father, obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is truly what you desire out of all of your children. Help us to be obedient Christians. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I'd like for us to consider from this portion of Scripture is this. Number one, take note of the command, all right? Take note of the command. Now, in this text, we see Peter has uh, returned to the shore from a fruitless night of fishing. And no doubt he is uh, frustrated and discouraged and very tired uh, from this fruitless night of fishing. And I've been there before, frustrated and discouraged from catching nothing. Has anybody been fishing and you return home with nothing? Anybody? I'm not taking y'all fishing with me. But anyway, yeah, I've been there, right? Uh, I've been there. Uh, no, so no doubt he's frustrated and discouraged. But as Peter sat on the shore this day cleaning and mending the nets, the Lord came by and wanted to use his boat as a temporary pulpit type of, type of deal. So he may preach this large crowd that has followed Jesus at this time, and he sat down and did just that. So Peter let him use the boat, but after he finished, Jesus that is, after he finished up his message, after he finished up teaching the people, he dismissed the crowd and turns to Peter and gives him this command, launch out into the deep. Now, I can imagine when Jesus said this to, to Peter, I can imagine what was going through Peter's mind at this moment. I can imagine him thinking, well, Launch out. 
What do you mean launch out? I'm almost done cleaning my nets. Hey, the day, the work day is over. We're, we're done today. And besides Jesus, if we launch back out, it's going to take a lot of time, going to take a lot of effort. I mean, after all, we fished all night. We didn't catch a thing. You want us to go back out and again catch nothing? Come on, this is another fruitless endeavor. I don't want to do that. But he gave him a command still. But why did he give him a command? Because understand something. When he said to launch out, I want you to understand something. This, this request, this command, it wasn't about the fishing. It was not about the fish. Because if it was only about the fish, then Jesus, the creator of the universe, could have commanded the fish to swim into the net on dry land. He didn't need a boat. He didn't need Peter to launch out. Those fish, listen, would have obeyed their creator and he didn't need any boat for this. So this moment, understand, this moment, this lesson, it wasn't about the fish. This lesson, this command was not about the nets. It wasn't about launching out into the deep. It wasn't even meaning uh, really having anything to do with how tired Peter was. It didn't matter how inconvenient this may have seemed. It wasn't about all of that. No, this lesson that he's trying to teach, this command he was given was was about Peter and Peter's personal obedience to God. I understand we may not fully exactly know and understand why the Lord directs us, but know as he does, we can fully trust him. We should obey him as he directs us. Why? He's our loving father. He's always good. He's always gracious, has our best interest in mind. So Jesus looks at Peter and gives him a command to launch out because he had something more planned for him. And then he said this. He gives another command. Let down your nets. Now it's interesting to note that when Christ commanded Peter to let down his nets in verse number 4, that's in the plural. Now, meaning I believe all of his nets or at least more than one. Every English teacher believes it's plural is at least more than one. That's want to make sure I'm right. Okay, I got a couple nods. My teacher's good. All right, plural, at least more than one net. I believe there's a multitude of nets that he had at this moment, but Jesus wanted him to let down all of his nets. But we see, and we'll see it in a moment. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But we'll see he only let down the net, singular. But he wanted him to drop all of his nets at this moment. But why? Why did he give them this command? Jesus gave him this command because he had something in store for Peter. He had a big blessing in store for Peter. And look again at verse number 4 with me. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a Draft. Some people say it's a draught there, but I, I, call it, I kind of believe it's, it means draft, okay? But what does this mean exactly, all right? What does this word mean? It means uh, let, it, let it out for a catching or for a haul. Literally, Jesus wanted Peter to catch a boatload of fish. Now, if I was part of the prosperity gospel crowd, the name it and claim it crowd, I'm taking this verse with me every time I'm going fishing. Amen, all right? But he wanted him to go out, let down his nets for a big old haul of fish. But at this moment, again, it wasn't about the fish. At this moment, this command, this request that the Lord was telling him to do was testing Peter's obedience. And doing so was going to bless that obedience as well. God, listen very carefully. I believe Jesus blesses obedience to him. 
I believe it. He gave him a command to go, launch out, let down your nets. He's going to bless him for his obedience. I believe that he does. I believe God blesses obedience and he wants to bless our obedience more than we could ever imagine or ever fathom. And I have no idea how the Lord wants to use us and bless us. I can only imagine what he wants to do, but we just simply need to, as believers and as a church, obey him. Obey the Lord. Obey the Lord in every area of your life because he will bless obedience. I believe he does. But like Peter, like Peter this morning, when it comes to the leading of the Lord and obeying the Lord, there's this, number two. There's a conflict. We'll spend a little time here this morning. There's a conflict with uh, us obeying the Lord. Now, just as it is with Peter, our problem is not understanding that Uh, what Jesus is saying necessarily. It is not understanding or knowing that we ought to obey Jesus. We know we should. How many of you know we should obey the Lord? Anybody out there? Okay, good. We all know we need to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. We intellectually know this, and it's the right thing. We know, the Bible says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. We know, as James says, it's it's better to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We know it's the right thing to listen. But sometimes our actions, they, um, well, they tell on us, don't they? (laughs) Actions speak louder than words, as they say. Well, sometimes, absolutely they do. So sometimes the problem is this, our hesitancy to trust and obey. And that can come from this conflict. From your flesh and from mine. There's a conflict there. Now, what is the flesh? Now, if you've been here on Wednesdays, we've looked at this a little bit, but I just want to remind you when it talks about this, all right? When the Bible speaks of the flesh, it is not speaking of our epidermis, all right? It is not speaking of the skin on our body. Rather, when the Bible speaks about our flesh, it's referring to the basic, fallen, sinful nature of all mankind. It is that indwelling principle of sin that corrupts every part of us. It's what the Bible calls the natural man. In 1 Corinthians 2, 14, it says this, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the flesh is that natural part of us, that natural man, that part of us that did whatsoever it wanted to do without giving any thought to God before we were ever saved. And listen... If we allow our flesh, if we allow our flesh to control and govern our lives, it will. It will, even after we are saved, because there's a conflict. There's a conflict between the fallen nature and the new nature, the Spirit of God that dwells in each one of us. There's a a conflict sometimes. There's a struggle. Does anybody else besides me this morning struggle from time to time when it comes to obeying Scripture and obeying the Lord? Me too. We have a struggle. We have a struggle. And again, in Galatians, the Bible says it this way and tells us why we struggle. Galatians 5, 16 through 17. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, I believe everyone here would agree that walking in the Spirit, being led of God, led by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, would be a good thing. Absolutely it is. To walk in the Spirit is a good thing because when we do, we will produce the fruit of the Spirit as we see it in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But again, 
There's a struggle. And Paul makes it known why. Galatians 5 and verse 17, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, spirit against the flesh, and these are, listen, contrary, the one to the other, so you cannot do the things that ye would. Our flesh will always try to rebel and follow its own way. It will always have this conflict as long as we live. You will have this conflict. I will have this conflict. Listen, even the Apostle Paul had this very conflict in his own self with, this, with the flesh that he's living in. The Bible says this. Romans chapter 7, verse 13 through 25, Paul stated his struggle when he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, meaning, again, uh, fleshly nature, someone who, who, who would give in to this, giving in to the desires of that sinful fallen nature. But he said, I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allowed not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate... That do I, talking about the same struggles that every genuine believer can have from time to time, the battle, the conflict between the spirit and the flesh. It goes on to say, If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now, then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which, I, which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil, the bad things, the worthless things, the depraved things, those, the evil which I would not, meaning I don't want to do them, sometimes I find myself doing them. That I do. Now if I do that, I would not. Is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. That sinful nature he's talking about, flesh. He says, I find then a law, a rule, a truth, a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me, that constant battle. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. The inward man, the, the, the spirit, the Holy Spirit leaps for joy for the things of God. That delight after the law of God. Our spirit rejoices when the Lord speaks to our heart from the Bible. Our spirit can rejoice when there's sweet, precious Christian fellowship. When we fellowship one with another. Hear sound preaching, enjoy worshipful music. Being just in the presence of God. Listen, our inner man rejoices in all all of that, delights in all of that. But Paul said, I see another law. In my members, warring against the law of my mind. That's where the battle rages. The conflict rages there in mind. And bring him into captivity in the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Who's going to help me overcome this conflict? Who's going to help me make it through what I'm going through? He said this, I thank God. Listen. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, to the flesh, the law of sin. I believe that Paul had a strong desire to serve the Lord, did he not? And he did a very good job of it too. We would all agree to that, but yet he constantly battled. He battled the flesh. So when it comes to obeying the Lord, yes, there is a conflict. Yes, there is a conflict and our flesh will fight us from obeying God. And guess what? So will the devil. But don't let him win. Don't give in. And by the way, the one that wins is the one you feed the most. You want your flesh to win? You're going to feed your flesh. You want the spirit, the inner man to win? You're going to feed the inner man. Which one are you feeding? And which one is winning? But Peter here, in this moment, had a little conflict and the first thing we see is this. Number one, he was trying to do it his own way. Or uh, we can put it this way. He thought he knew better. <laughs> I 
Sometimes we find ourselves there as we have a conflict um, internally when it comes to, well, I need to obey the Lord, but maybe this is what he's doing. <laughs> he clearly says this in the Word. I know that, but maybe sometimes we do this in a conflict we have internally and we think we know, we know better. And Peter, he thought he knew better. Peter thought he knew better. Look again with me, if you will, as the Bible says here in verse number 5, And Simon answering said in him, Master... We have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. <laughs> he said, but, I mean, I know what you're saying. I know you've commanded us to launch out and let down the nets, but look, we did this all night long already. And we didn't catch a thing. Peter thought he knew better than the Lord. Let me ask you, has there ever been a time in your life where you just thought you knew better? Ooh, be honest with yourself. Don't have to raise your hand, but be honest with yourself, all right? Or you thought you knew better? I knew better than uh, as you're growing up, better than your parents, or better than um, the, your boss, or just you just thought you knew knew better. Look, there's plenty of times in my life growing up, I thought I knew better than than my parents. And you know, every teenager is an alien and thinks that. And and uh, as a teenager, I was just stupid. I know none of you teenagers are. All right, I probably shouldn't say stupid, silly. Okay, but whatever. But you, none of you guys are. But I was. Okay, <laughs> plenty of times I wish I'd have listened didn't because I thought I knew better one particular time when I was working construction with my dad my dad always said this boy you got to you got to uh, hammer those snakes over meaning the snakes nails all right you, you got to bend those nails over the board before you throw them in the scrap pile yeah okay I thought I knew better I wanted I didn't want to take time to bend the nails over and throw them in the scrap pile I just rip them off the wall and throw them in the scrap pile just don't go near the scrap pile right until I took a board off the wall Threw it close to the scrap pile and bounced around away from the scrap pile, and I found that board later. When I stepped on it, and yes, the nail went straight to the bone in my right foot, and yes, it hurt really, really bad. But you know what I did from then on? I bend the nails over, still do today, because I don't want to step on another nail. Another time when I was, again, my dad told me, me and my cousins, we were playing with um, BB guns, and we thought, you know, thought they were not loaded. And he said, boys, don't be playing with those guns. You're going to shoot your eye out. You know, that kind of thing. Ah, it's not loaded, old man. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, it was loaded. And I got shot. And right in my belly button. It was a good shot for my cousin anyway. I had to go to the hospital and all of that. Look, I'm sure you have stories where you just wish you had listened. And uh, you wouldn't end up hurt. <laughs> we all have those moments in our life. And maybe sometimes I'm thinking even right now on more of a spiritual note, there's times in my life I wish I'd listened to God. Times in my life I wish I'd obeyed Him. And maybe, maybe when we get to the judgment seat of Christ one day, believers will be judged at the judgment seat, you know. And when we give an account to the Lord how we lived our life on earth, maybe there'll be times we think back, you know, man, I wish I'd just obeyed in this area. I wish I'd have done more. Wish I'd done this, wish I'd have done that. Maybe. There are times in my life I wish I just simply obeyed the Lord. And in this moment in Peter's life, at this time when he could had a haul of fish, listen, P Peter at this moment was skeptical. Now, Peter was no, no uh, run-of-the-mill fisherman. He was no amateur whatsoever. He was a pro. And in his waters well, he even grew up on this, on this Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, and he fished it day in and day out. And the last thing he wanted to do was go back out fishing and catch 
nothing. Besides, he had toiled all night. That word implies he was absolutely exhausted, so he didn't want to go back out and catch nothing. So Peter didn't want to go through it again. He didn't want to go through this hassle again, so he thought he knew better. And when you know better, you think you know better, you begin to argue, and that's exactly what Peter did again in verse number 5. Look at it with me. Simon answered unto him, say, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. When it comes to conflict between obeying the Lord or not to obey, we will try to use our own logic, but understand our logic is fallen and faulty and limited. But listen, the only reasonable and logical things when it comes to obeying God is to do just that, to obey the Lord. So first in this conflict, Peter tried to do it his own way, and then secondly, he did this. He finally, he trusted the Lord. Look again at what he says in verse number 5. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have taught all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Finally, he obeyed the Lord. And when he did, look what happened, verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Uh, listen. In the conflict that we have when it comes to obeying the Lord or not, we don't have to have every detail figured out to a perfect T before we say yes, sir, to the Lord. We don't have to have perfect understanding. It's not a prerequisite for obedience. It's not. No, God knows what He is doing, and all we need to do is say yes, sir, and simply obey. But the struggle is real. That conflict is real. We want to know all the ins and outs before we say, yes, sir. We want to know what the Lord has for us in the future before we will obey. But that's not how it works. Why? Because if the Lord let us know everything in our future, number one, it would probably freak you out. <laughs> number two, if you knew everything coming down the pike, if you ever knew everything in your future, listen, number two, there would be little need. Little need to trust Him. But the Lord wants us to walk by. All right, all four of you got it. Everybody else, it's by faith, all right? He wants us to walk by faith, not by sight. He wants us to trust Him every step of the way. I mean, think about it. If Peter knew what uh, was coming down the, down the line, if Peter knew what was going to happen with the big haul of fish, do you think he would have thought twice about it? Do you think he would have argued with the Lord? No, no, no. He would have had all of his nets ready, as was all the other ships on the shore that day, and their nets ready for this big boat haul of fish. He would have been ready. But again, this was not about the fish. This lesson is not about the fish or the nets or the boats or the other people that are on the shore that day. No, this lesson right here in Luke chapter 5 was about Peter and his obedience and his trust in Jesus. To trust him. To trust him. And this is going to set the pace for the rest of his life to obey and trust, to trust and obey. Because down the line, we'll get to it eventually in John chapter 21 when Jesus would tell him. He said, when you were young, you did what you wanted to do. But I'm paraphrasing, of course. But when you were young, you did what you wanted to do. But when you're older, people are going to take you the, the way you don't want to go. Speaking of the death, signifying the death, he would die. History would say that it was by crucifixion. 
The people lead him to that death. But how would he get to that point? Well, it comes all the way back to this lesson he must learn of obeying and trusting. Trusting and obeying. So last, I want to see this. Now we see the command, hey, take your boat out, launch out, let down your nets. Number two, we see the conflict. I don't know about this, Lord, but thirdly, lastly, I want to see the confession. The confession. And in this confession, we see, number one, Peter's partial obedience. So the Lord specifically said, let down your nets, plural, meaning more than one. I believe all of them. He wanted Peter all in, not just half in. But Peter's skepticism only let down because of that, only let down one of the, of the nets that he had. And the net grew so full, it began to break, and he had to call for help. And no doubt, Peter may have lost some fish during this, during this moment. Yet, had Peter obeyed fully, and not partially, he'd have had multiple nets full of fish, and not a single one would have been broken. But he partially obeyed, only half in, so to speak. I read a story of a Japanese soldier who fought in the Japanese military during World War II, and it is said that when this soldier was given a post, he was to stay at that post and obey the command from his commander until another order was given to him. And in 1974, a Japanese officer named Hiru Onodo was relieved of duty. Now, this would not seem uh, too unusual, except this Japanese soldier had been hiding in the Philippine jungle since the end of World War II in 1945. So, for nearly 30 years... He had not believed the news that the Japanese had surrendered to the Allied forces and refused to give up his post until his superior officer would properly order him to do so. So the Japanese government had to locate Onoda's commander who was by then a bookseller and fly him to the Philippines to give this faithful soldier the formal order to surrender. And Hiro Onoda was completely obedient to this imperfect Commander, And of course, after reading this story, I had to ask myself, and I want to ask the rest of you as well, are we completely obedient, all in obedient to our perfect commander, to our loving heavenly Father, or are we just partially half-hearted, half-in type, type of believers? Look, we understand that God is able to exceedingly abundant. Above we all ask or think, but His workings and His blessings, His exceeding above, above all we ask or think, is often contingent upon our obedience and cooperation with Him. God's actions are sometimes limited, listen, limited uh, to our faith field or faithless responses to Him. And before you call me a heretic saying that, what do you mean you're limiting God? No, 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 let me, let me explain to you from Scripture what I mean. Do you remember in the Bible when it says in Mark chapter number 6, verse 5 through 6, and there he could do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them? Do you, know, do you remember where that was? He couldn't do no mighty work there. You know why? It was around his family and his hometown, but he couldn't do no mighty work because of this. The Bible says in verse number 6, marvel because of their unbelief. And went about teaching around the villages. That's why he could there do no mighty work. It was limited. Why? Their unbelief limited him. The Bible says this, uh, again, about the Hebrews in the wilderness in Psalm 78, 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, we know there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Nothing too hard for God. But the Lord cannot use our faithlessness and disobedience. 
But it will use our faith and our obedience in mighty ways. So as I think, as Peter here in this moment has begun to draw the net and see the plethora of fish and feeling the heavy load of the weight from the net, I believe is at this moment he recognized his half-hearted obedience and it moved him to repentance. Look at verse number 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord, for he was astonished. And all that were with him at the draft of fishes which were, uh, they had taken. This was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had, when they had brought the ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. It's kind of interesting. In the very uh, first half of this text, you have a half-hearted obeyer. And by the end of it, he was all in. He was all in. And the things he got to experience and the things he got to see through the, through, through the working of God in his life and through his life came as he trusted and obeyed. So let me ask you, this morning, where do you fit in this, this text? Examine your own heart and life. Where do you fit in this text? Is it kind of half in, half out type of thing? That's not what Jesus is looking for. I understand that Laodicea is alive and well, but may it not be alive and well in us. <laughs> Lukewarm, half in, half out. No, let's be all in for the Lord. and Follow Him obediently in every area of our life. Yes, this is a lesson that Peter was learning in the very beginning, but it was one he's going to continue to learn. And by the way, he's glad he did. You'll be glad you did as well. Listen, Jesus is still looking for believers that he can use mightily and in mighty ways, but it's going to come through obedience and trust. Trust and obey. I have one question. One more question for you this morning. We'll be done. And it's this one. It's very convicting to me. But can Jesus depend upon your obedience to him? Can Jesus depend upon your obedience to him?